Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from New York, it's Writer's Block Live with Scott, a cat juggler, Cash, Mark Two people with handlebar mustaches, Becca and Tom I'm least, at least I'm glad you didn't say that we were the ones with the handlebar mustaches. <laughs> Actually, I uh, have to admit I stole that one from Rick and Morty. <laughs> the writer's block continues. <laughs> this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 278, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Becca. Today we are finally going to speak about postal stationery, paper color varieties, but first, and you know what that means already. Wait, what? Shout out to new members, Kurt S. and Brian H. Thanks for the 10 bucks. Your membership certificates are in the mail. Kurt also wrote, I discovered you during a long road trip, yada yada. We are great, yada yada. I just ordered the Book of Secrets number three. Thank you very much. We're good on trips. Yada, yada. You mentioned Pantone guides for color. Is there a particular set? Yeah. Why don't we uh, first discuss a little bit of the Book of Secrets number three, and then we'll talk about the Pantone set, because otherwise people are going to get totally lost. It's all about color. It's 100% a color book. Uh, the, The Scott's catalog is incredibly good at listing things. However, it is very limited in the amount of information it can put in. So no, you, it's very limited in the amount of information it does put in. <laughs> well, so it, Big difference. Yeah. If, if So you'll look at a stamp and it will give you five different colors. And the question is like rose brown versus rose. Versus brown rose. <laughs> versus brown. Versus, and if you get into like U.S. number 11, orange brown versus brownish orange. And you have these really, uh, you know, you look at a stamp and go, well, yeah, that looks orange, but is it orange brown or brown orange? Well, the big thing to remember with the catalog is they list the primary color last. Correct. And the modifying number or uh, color first. So rose brown would be brownish with a little bit of rose in it, whereas brown rose would be rose that's kind of brownish. To uh, be more specific, it's hue than color. So, if you, you want to be tactical, <laughs> if you instead, if you picture, want to picture it, if they say like 
white, black. It's taking the two extremes. They, they never would list that, but if you took white, black, it would be mostly black with a hue of white to it. Whereas so black, white would so it'd be, be a, white. So, so white, black would be a dark gray and black, white would be a light gray. Correct. <laughs> so, so when you get into these sort of colors, but then you get into the other ones, like uh, my favorite is, of course, pigeon blood pink. Which don't go out and find a pigeon to <laughs> get a reference color. <laughs> yeah, pigeon blood pink has nothing to do with the color of pigeons, and uh, we we inside or their of, blood or their blood. <laughs> and we talked about this in the book of secrets that pigeon blood is actually a color of a ruby. It's a really really fine red ruby. Well, you know, we conjectured or made up the story, depending on how you want to phrase it, that you know somebody looked at the stamp and said, oh, this is the greatest color of this stamp I have ever seen. This is the pigeon blood of stamps. And somebody said, yeah, it looks kind of pinkish. And some other person said, yeah, let's call it pigeon blood pink. And then it caught on because it has the word pigeon blood in it. Whereas in actuality, if you looked up the color, it's rhodonite. So nobody is going to care about rhodonite, but pigeon blood sounds cool. So everybody wants a stamp. It's a rare color. So everybody gets that. The hitch is, is that there's a lot of rare colors. There's a zillion rare colors. And uh, so we were talking before about, you know, what, we were discussing number 26s, me and a couple friends. And they said, what would it take to get these listed, these rare colors? And I said, well, you got to give them a really cool, cool name. And one of them was Dragon's Breath Red. <laughs> and so Dragon's Breath Red will become, it, it, first of all, it's a rare color. It really is a rare color. It's got a cool name. And so it's destined to be valuable if, it could get, if we can get it listed in the Scott's catalog. But if you have Dragon's, Dragon's Breath Red, what color is it? I mean, everybody knows it's going to be like a deep red, but I mean, how deep, what shade, stuff like that. So what we did with a lot of these, and there's a lot of examples of this inside of the Scott's catalog. What we did was we basically said, here is this color. And since we're printing the book, we can't show all the colors either because there's just too many. So we used the Pantone guide to get what the number is. And if you uh, just do a Google search on Pantone guide, we use the uncoated um, one. The, unco the coding, well, first of all, Pantone uses uh, a color system for the printing industry. So if you want to print you know, your letterhead in red, they're going to say, well, which red? And you're going to say, I don't know, what's my choices? And they go, how about Pantone number 127 through number 143? And you go, I really like Pantone number 142. And then they will program that in and they will print Pantone 142. It's sort of like what Bear does with uh, painting your house. So we use these Pantone colors. We use the uncoated, and 
if you want to know what the Pantone color actually is, like you want to see what pigeon blood pink is, you can type in the Pantone number into your computer. Just type Pantone number. What is it? One for, does somebody have a book of secrets here? That mm, Not handy. Yeah. Why don't we grab one real quick? Can you grab one out of your office real quick? Do you have one in your office? I don't have one. have one. There, there's one on the top. I got those black shelves on my desk. There's one right oh. on top next to my monitor. <clears throat> the problem with the computer screen, though, is that depending on the adjustments, it could be off, whereas the actual Pantone book is always going to be the same. Well, it's even more than that because you have a backlit mm -hmm. screen versus a front-lit stamp. Right. The screen is additive color process. The printing is negative is, is subtractive color process. So what and but what ends up happening is if you type in and Tom is getting his book. So if you remember this, if you go onto your computer screen and you type in Pantone seven four three one U for uncoded or seven four three two U for uncoded, a color box will show up on your screen and you can look at it and say oh that's what color pigeon blood pink is now it's going to be really tough for you to hold a stamp to your screen to expertise it but it's really easy to hold it to the pantone color guide and more but more than that if you say i wonder if this is pigeon blood pink you can pull up the color on your screen look at it and say yes or no there may be subtle differences you know you can like get close yeah but you can get close yeah so you sit there and go yeah this isn't that right yeah you can quickly eliminate a stamp whereas if you got something close then you get the color booklet which is printed in the same process as the stamp meaning a subtractive color process and it's it's more of a, a, a like by like Right. Comparison. And so we sh try to show the colors inside of the book, but there are two different things. How old is your copy of the book? Because they were all printed at the same time, but over time, inks change. The second thing is it's printed on glossy, slightly glossy paper. So you have a bit of a problem with even the book that we publish. And so that's why we say our book is great. But get the Pantone guide because the Pantone guide is much better. It's printed on a special type of paper that doesn't fade, etc. And just so you're aware, a Pantone guide costs, I've seen them for as low as 20 bucks, but that's rare. If you buy them new, which I don't suggest you do, they cost like $75 plus a bunch of shipping. Generally speaking, they'll cost about 30 bucks, which uh, the Book of Secrets, which is the color guide that we're talking about, cost $15. So $15 plus $35 for 50 bucks, you can become kind of an expert on colors. And the Book of Secrets goes through US number ones. Uh, what all does it go through? The 67s, the 76s, the 11s, the 10s and 11s, the 26s. The, the one I like the most is the 70s and 78s. Oh, yeah. That, that one's really important. The 24 center which was printed in just <laughs> a, a, to call it a range of colors is uh, doing it a disservice.
But even with 78s, you have some really super rare colors that you want to be able to pick out. And the 67s as well, where you're talking about the colors between buff, brown, yellow, and olive yellow. Yep. And olive yellow is the is the key. Yep. The key color. And then, like I said, we do number 10s and 11s. We do number 65s. We do number 63s, which number 63 is a great example also. You have dark blue, bright blue, deep blue. And ultramarine. And ultramarine. But at least ultramarine has a... Pale blue. Yeah, it doesn't have the same... Well, I mean, you could sort of picture in your head what pale blue looks like. Yeah. You can kind of, if you know the definitions, figure out what ultramarine is. But what's the difference between deep blue, dark blue, and bright blue? Well, deep blue is more intense blue, whereas dark blue is actually... More intense. More darker. Yeah, much no, more. no. You can have the same amount of ink on a blue and a deep blue or a, a dark blue, and you're going to see a difference. If you have, but if you have the same amount of ink on two stamps, you can't have blue and deep blue because deep blue is a more intense, usually meaning more ink was laid down. Therefore, the color is more uh, dark. No, it has more depth. Oh, more depth. So, so, so since deep and darker are like that, and they're the first color descriptor, deep blue is like the color of the Marianas Trench, and dark blue is the color of a moonless sky. There. Does that uh, make sense? Deep and dark? Okay. One, one's deep, one's dark. Got it. Got it. That got was it. deep. That's, yeah. that's very, very well done. I can picture it in my mind. Very well done. So, well, and then just like Dragon's Breath Red is actually... Uh, you know, it's a it's a bister green color. <laughs> it match it matches it matches with uh, lake. Yeah. Oh yeah. As lake. far as shade names go. Uh, there, yeah, we put a couple. St- we put some stories into the book of secrets. It's not just pictures, but uh, we talk about lake. What color lake is? And we have this terrible, terrible thing with stamp collecting where we think that the color lake is some form of red. And we're the only people on the planet who think that. Everybody else thinks correctly that lake is a process by which they make ink. So you can have lake yellow, and you can have lake blue, and you can have lake red, and you can have lake anything that has a pigment to it. But we say, no, 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 lake is red. And then you sit there and go, well, aren't lakes blue or blue-green or whatever? Or brown if it's stagnant. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we also get into that. We get into the color blue, why it's so rare in stamps. Uh, We talk about uh, some of the really, yeah, magenta on the 832G, the Wilson stamp. How to tell magenta away from the normal one. And, well, it's, uh, it's not telling magenta from the normal. It's the 832C versus the 832G. Yeah, two colors that look kind of weird. A weird yeah, shade they, of they lake. They sound the same <laughs> on the printed, but the the actual colors are very different. Yeah. 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 If you want G, it's got to be almost pink. Yeah. Not just not purple. <laughs> and by pink, we mean like... Valentine's Day colors pink, not U.S. number 11 and 65 and stuff like that, which 
in my opinion, are not pink. Or the bank well, note. 64 is pink, right? 65 yeah. is rose. Yeah, it, they don't look pink. Well, what color rose are we talking about? That too. <laughs> <laughs> White roses. So anyway, uh, PSE sells uh, the Book of Secrets. And uh, why don't we put a plug at the end if people want to buy it? We'll put a plug at the end. Yeah, wherever books are sold. Wherever books, wherever books are sold. Yeah. Actually, I, are these listed on Amazon still? I don't think they are. Thank oh well. You. I do not know. Hard to plug it if we don't know where we sell it. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, Kurt also asked us to give a shout out to the First Issue Collectors Club, otherwise known as the FICC, and their website firstissues.org. And uh, be sure to put an S at the end because First Tissue is an odd website that'll pop up if you type it wrong. Crickets? Crickets. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine it, what it would First have to be, Tissue. Because it would have to be First Tissue, <laughs> not First Issue. Or First Tissue. But then that would imply two Ts. With an S at the end. <laughs> F-I-R-S-T-I-S-S-U-E-S dot org. Just for clarification. Okay. And actually, this is an interesting website. Um, yeah, they have a... Uh, their, their website is about the first issues of stamps throughout the world. So it's not just the first issue of a particular stamp, like a first day of issue, but the actual first issue. And I was looking at their website, and they have a, a catalog of issuing entities. And did you know that the United States is in seventh place for issuing stamps? Yay, number seven. Well, I guess actually you could say technically we're also number two, but that was City Dispatch Post, mm -hmm. not the United States. Yeah, New so New York beat the United States. The canton of Geneva beat us. Yep. So the first six before the United States are Great Britain, City Despatch Post, Canton Zurich, Brazil, Canton Geneva, and Canton Basel. Uh-huh. I was watching an interesting history of uh, the history of Switzerland. Very interesting. If you uh, pull up the YouTube, you know, type in history of Switzerland. They, they have a very, very distinct history that goes back to the Holy Roman Empire. Number eight after us was Mauritanius. And then after that was France. Oh, and by the way, trivia question. What's the oldest stamp that's still valid for postage? U.S. stamp? No, or anywhere worldwide. in the world. It is the first stamp of uh, France because France, when they converted over to the euro, have a trade value for cents versus euros. Now you'd have to, I forget what it is, but I think you'd have to put 700 France number ones on an envelope to get it someplace regular mail but 
it is still technically usable for postage. Well, you'd be kind of dumb, too. <laughs> that would be an expensive letter. It's like putting a C3A on an envelope. To Actually, you'd have to put two C3As and then like uh, an extra, what, eight cents, seven cents. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, though, is like uh, number 10 is Belgium. But the first stamp of Belgium is Scott's number three, not Scott's number one. Because, you know, they were issued in different orders. And uh, same thing with uh, Canton of Geneva and Canton of Basel. They aren't number ones in the catalog. And the worst one, of course, is uh, the City Dispatch, which is the second. It's uh, Scott catalog number is 40L1. So it's not really a number one of the word is... These are not number ones of the world. These are first issues of the world, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's why they, you know, they put in SETI Dispatch Post, even though that was in the United States. It wasn't issued by the United States. Yeah, I, I had a, a comment, too, because, you know, I collect Philippines. And they have the first stamp of the Philippines, Scott's number one. But they don't have the first stamp of the Republic of the Philippines, which is Scott's number 500, which is actually the first stamp of the modern Philippines. They also, uh, their website also contains an extensive list of first issue forgeries. Yeah. Oh, if, they, you go, if you go to their index on forgeries, it's like, they're like A to Z. My United, question is, the United is, States isn't in there. If you get a group of collectors that collect first issues, and another group of collectors that collect number ones, would they fight each other? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at it, and they're not going to be competing very much. I mean, the first stamp of Denmark is Denmark Scott's number seven. The first stamp of Nova Scotia is Scott's number two. The first, what's, what's the, one of the worst ones? Let's see. Let's see. Finland. Well, I have a question. Scott's number 13 is the first stamp of if, Finland. If you collect first issue airmails, does that mean you have to collect a C3A? Yeah. Since it was issued on the, it was the first airmail stamp issued in the United <laughs> States and it was purchased on the first day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, Russia's actually 14. But Lubeck's actually 15. Actually, the 15th stamp or issuing entity is Switzerland. That's interesting. So you have Canton Zurich, Canton Geneva, and Canton Basel, which is number uh, three, five, and six. And then number 15 is Switzerland. Why is number 31? Yeah. This is an incredibly interesting list. At least in my humble opinion. And it also lists a little bit of the information about them, how they were printed and the like. Funny, they were all in perforate except for the last one on the list, Sierra Leone, which is per 14. Yeah. In 1859. The first country to... No, Sweden has one, 1855. That's per 14. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, I lied. Number 56, Sweden. That's what I get for scrolling too fast. 
<laughs> well, and this is and this is only the first page of the list. I mean, we're on number. The first page of the list ends at number eighty-six, and then there's another tab for eighteen sixty to eighteen seventy. So it's like every ten years or so, there's another tab. Yeah. Well, very very well done. First issue collectors club. Very well done. Nice website. The last one is uh, number 781, the uh, Kyrgyzstan Express Post, which is Scott number 57A. Yeah. Issued in 2014. Yeah, going in reverse order. The last first issue was Kyrgyzstan, then South Sudan, then St. Martin, Caribbean Netherlands, Curaçao, Mount Athos, Kosovo Republic, Montenegro, Serbia Montenegro, and East Timor. All in the 2000s. All in the 2000s, yeah. So by the way, the airmail, you, uh, you mentioned C3, the airmail catalog to 1990. The United States is first, 1918, but it's got number RC1. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh huh. First airmail stamp. It says the set range is RC one through nine. What the heck is RC one? It's a revenue. Yeah. Because it even says watermark is one ninety one R, which would be the USIR watermark. Quick, go grab a catalog. <laughs> airmail catalog. Now, now I'm curious. <laughs> and then 1923, Colombia issued one, and then Lithuania, and then Greece. But it's even funny because United States has another one at 1929, which is UC1. UC1's a postal envelope, postal stationary envelope. This is a weird list. <laughs> okay, what is RC1? Future delivery stamps? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. A future delivery stamp is the first airmail stamp of the United States? I think that R is a mistake for some reason. I mean, they were issued in 1918. 1918. What is airmail catalog to 1990? Are we looking at something wrong here? Because, And then like in 1928, Ecuador, and then in 1929, a different Ecuador. So Ecuador has two stamps entered on this list. This is a confusing list. Does it does it have RC one to nine? Yep. RC one to nine is the one cent to eighty cent. But you, maybe uh, maybe it was like that uh, was before the airplane was invented, so that's why it's a future delivery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm pulling this up. This is a. I want to see what's going on with RC. What is a future delivery stamp? Well, I see a thing that says future delivery stamps were used between 1918 and 1934 and showed that tax had been paid on the contracts for the future delivery of certain merchandise. Yeah. Which is what a future delivery is. It's a tax basically on invo- uh, 
tax on purchase orders. But would it be, would it have been used since they're 1918 to 1934? Would they have been used for sending stuff via airplane before <laughs> airmail stamps were actually issued? Inquiring minds want to know. That is weird. Okay. Uh, shout out to the website. You are still a fantastic website, but we have no... Now we're confused. <laughs> we, we are <laughs> and in, intrigued. <laughs> we are confused and intrigued when you click on the airmail tag, why the first stamps are uh, listed are U.S. Uh, future delivery stamps. So... Uh, Inquiring minds want to know. Kurt, send us an email. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, we need to get in touch with you. Speaking about catalogs, Mark, you have something? Yes. All right. The 2021 Scott Specialized Catalog recently came out, and one of the things that they changed was they renumbered or, or changed the numbering of special handling stamps, Q1 to Q4. And the, um, and the, the interesting discussion that I wanted to have was when Scott Catalog does this, um, how does it affect collectors um, and how does it affect PSE when it has to do with uh, issuing certificates? Well, what did they renumber? Did they add more numbers? or They, they changed the uh, designations for, um, uh, for wet and dry printing and they added um, uh, an extra um, small letter. Well, that's act actually that letter was added last year. And what they did is they rearranged it this year, mm -hmm. and they reordered it so that now this year, instead of the uh, booklet paper being a minor letter, it is now the major number because that was the, f the first printing of those stamps was done on the booklet paper. Um, and so what they've done is they've reordered it so that it's in um, chronological order, but if you're somebody that is trying to collect that stuff, it can be kind of confusing. And if you're somebody who's trying to put together an exhibit, now you've got certified stamps that have the wrong Scott number on them. Yes. Or possibly haven't even been checked for being booklet paper or normal paper. So hold, it's QE1. Yes. QE1. You threw me off a little there. It, this is the green stamp. It says special handling. It's got the value and then like rays of light shooting out of the value. There's four denominations. Right. Uh, 10, 15, 20, and 25. So the 10 cent is the lowest value. Well, the 10, 15, and 20 are the, the three low values are the ones that we're talking about here. Because 25 came out much later, right? Or something no, like that? 25 was first. Oh, it's one of those? <laughs> yeah. Well, the 25 came out in 1925, and the others came out in 1928. Got it. So, okay. Uh, so QE1 is going to be the booklet paper one? Yes. And how much is that catalog? Isn't that a rare one? No, no. It's, no. They're, they're inexpensive. Oh, so it's, it's like a... They're a pain in the butt to identify, but the... They're inexpensive because they're, uh, well, they're going to be fewer out there than, the, there should be fewer out there than the normal paper simply because it was the first printing. And then they, as they reprinted them, that means the supply was used up. So 
possibly fewer of them were saved mint. But, uh, yeah, they're still quite common. But there's a couple shade varieties, and there's varieties of the well, uh, yeah, but I don't think the well. shade varieties are really listed. Yeah, the there are the that particular issue comes in both wet printing and dry printing, and uh, the difference is in how much water they used uh, and how much pressure they used on the printing press, and uh, so the earlier ones were they used a paper that was dampened approximately 35% water content uh, so that the wa- uh, the paper would basically suck in the ink and hold the ink better. And then later on, they u- figured they'd get a better impression, a much cleaner, crisper impression if they used less water but more pressure. So they dropped it down to 15%, and that's what they call the dry printing process. Uh, now... The same plates were used for the, both the wet and the dry on this issue, so you, that's not a way to tell them apart. Unlike, unlike the Liberty pre, uh, Liberty series printings, where you can tell them apart by the plate number. Now the wet printings, the first printing was on booklet paper, and the second paper printing was on normal paper. And that basically the special booklet paper was what they were used to printing. It was slightly different sized, and the weave of the paper was uh, perpendicular to uh, that of the normal sheets of paper. So basically when you dampened the paper, it would curl in the opposite direction. And, I mean, if if you have used stamps, one way to tell is just to kind of spritz them with a little mister, and they'll curl, and so you'll see some curl one way and some curl the other, and that's one way to separate them. And then you only have to measure one in each group. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you have mint stamps, um, if you're careful, you can just kind of breathe on them, and they might curl, and you might be able to tell that way. But really, have it's your the dog si- breathe. But on really, them. <laughs> it's the size of uh, of the design. Because the shrinkage would, would occur as the printing dried, the water evaporated out of the paper, the print the stamps would shrink in one direction or the other depending on which paper they were printed on. And so that's really how you tell is to get the different, uh, get an example and measure them. And so you can tell by the width or the height uh, the differences, whether it's booklet paper or normal paper. So basically there's three different varieties that Correct. nobody cares about. Well, if you're looking to make some money, go find me a used dry printing. And it it has to have, or well, it doesn't have to have, but it's very, very helpful for it to have a late date on the cancel. That's a rare stamp? Absolutely rare. I think uh, one of the values has not been found yet, and there are only less than a handful of the other two values certified. Well, of course I like this issue because this is the chicken issue. This is Uh, what they use to ship chicks. That's one of the primary reasons that the, it was issued was for things like live chicks. Yeah. And eggs and eggs. And I would love to find one like on a receipt or something like that. But, you know, they are really, really super scarce. And I haven't gotten any. 
So there are three varieties, the booklet, then comes the wet printing, then comes the dry printing. Well, the book, uh, the booklet paper is also a wet printing. So the wet printing comes on the booklet paper and then on the normal paper and then the dry printing. Okay. So booklet wet, normal wet, normal dry. Correct. And the and, and they all catalog about the same. And the gums are a little bit slightly no, different. No, the too. dry printings are actually a little bit more because they're a little bit scarcer. Oh, okay. Sorry, Mark. Oh, the and the gum is a little bit different. Some of them the gum is kind of dull. Well, one one of the ways to tell apart mint stamps is that the dry printing was printed on pre gummed paper. So anybody who collects Canada can be is kind of familiar with that. The wet and dry printings were printed on pre gummed or um ungummed paper and then gummed and one of the characteristics is if you flip it over and it's got nice even white gum where you actually see um, almost an impression of the design in the gum uh, then that's going to be your dry printing it's a real quick easy way to flip it over and check and also you should have um, pretty much no offset from the printing process. You can get very, very, very tiny specs, but if you have lots of offset, that's going to be a wet printing anyway. Uh, interesting. But a number of the wet printings were also printed in, um, you get lighter inkings and cleaner plates, and you know after they clean the plate, they get a crisper impression. And they a lot of times are confused for the dry printing, which they're not. You flip it over and it's got yellow glossy gum and no impression of the design on the back and it, you immediately know that it's a wet printing not a dry printing so even with this common relatively common issue you can you can really get into it you can really specialize yes you can very interesting okay i i thought that it was going to be some sort of a uh meaning without any relevance sort of thing. But I, I can see this, especially if they all have relatively the same value. I mean, one uh, of the as terrible far as, things... As far as the wet printings grow, I think they're about one and a half to two times what the the booklet But is it significant? Is, no. Is, you know, you're talking $3 versus $6 or $5 mm -hmm. or something like that. Because in um, some and uh, the dry printings are a little bit more than that, but um, the used ones are really where you're going to find the difference, and that's in the dry printing used, which I believe are dashes in the catalog because there just are no examples out there. Yeah, I got it. And the dry printings were done in I think 1955, and that uh, you know, so finding a late usage after 1955 with a a stamp with a dated cancel on it is pretty challenging uh, because by then uh, most chicks were shipped. They either were <laughs> they, they either were hatched in huge huge farms and didn't need to be shipped. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, they were shipped by private transport. They weren't mailed. Yeah. So you didn't really see those stamps used a lot. Now, if you can find a cover, that's great. But, you know, absent that, finding a single stamp with a dated cancel on it would be super awesome. Well, and yeah. I, and I think this is an issue that's largely ignored by most stamp dealers. So, Well, they don't really care because there's yeah. not a lot of money in it. 
Yeah. So if you if you were really looking for something special, you have a good chance of 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 finding something that a dealer would miss. Well, a lot of times you could find the misidentified too, which you have to be careful because a lot of times uh, they'll misidentify their wet printings and call them dry printings, and and they're not. Um, because the dry printing does have a slightly higher catalog value. So you have to be very careful and know what you're looking at before you just jump in and buy. Yeah, yeah, that's always the case. And also the special handings are not valid for postage. Well, uh, actually, they, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think they are. I think that went away not too long ago. Yeah. I believe, if I am correct, and somebody can give me a uh, casual correction, and I'll play the music and everything. Uh, you know this, but if this is another uh, derecho versus tornado thing, you know, <laughs> don't bother. Uh, the uh, the postage was paid normally, and then the special handling fee was paid with a special handling stamp. So if the total postage was forty five cents and special handling was 50, 15 cents, you couldn't put 60 cents worth of stamps on it. You had 45 cents worth of stamps and then the special handling stamp. Well, initially that was true, yes. Oh, yeah, after a while. And, you know, and, and same I'm thing sure with the parcel who, post. Yeah. You know, you could only use parcel post stamps on packages and you can't use regular stamps on packages. But then, you know, after six months or whatever, they decided it was more... They just said, screw it. It was more a, an accounting hassle than anything else. And just use them on anything. So, But I don't think they did that with the handling special handling stamps. You couldn't, like, use a special handling stamp for postage. For regular? For regular postage. No, if it was on a receipt, let's say you had a parcel post of chickens. No, but let's, let's say you had a regular letter. You couldn't use a 10-cent special handling stamp as your postage that is well i don't know <laughs> it may have gotten through as an illegal usage yeah. but i don't think it was ever authorized for that i will bet you that if you put a special handling stamp on a letter today <laughs> it I've would seen, go through with no problem i've whatsoever. seen postage <laughs> due stamps go through and counted as postage <laughs> <laughs> i've seen special deliveries which were demonetized go yeah. through uh, well, yeah. special delivery, I remember because I got a well, whole bunch of the 60 centers and I was using them. And they said, oh, you can only use this on priority mail. It's like, screw you. Put it on. Mm. Nothing ever came back. <laughs> no, because it's tagged and it just goes yeah, right through the yeah. Just goes right through the canceller. Yep. And, you know, the only person looking at it is the person emptying the mailbox and the person putting it in somebody else's mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, here and there, it doesn't see any eyes so but i have seen a couple of chicken boxes and overall they cost like about 60 cents to send and so you'd have 60 cents in parcel post stamps like 320s and then you'd have a special handling stamp on it and they were if you go to del taco and you get their Fiesta pack, that box, that's sort of what the chicken crates look like. And if you go, don't go to Del Taco, uh, go to Del Taco. They have good food. <laughs> <laughs> go anyway. Are we done? So do we have enough time to discuss postal stationery paper color varieties? 
I don't think we do. Oh, so close. Oh, we'll have to put this off until next week, I think. Well, this is becoming the new tube sock. <laughs> the stamp show here today is a YouTube creator. We have a YouTube channel where we put up excerpts of our podcast. We just put up a fantastic video on Albert's talk on the California Gold Rust issue of the Canal Zone. Please check it out and subscribe to the channel because it helps show us. It helps us show up in the search, and we are new. Take a look. Please help our channel grow. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. You can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS number if you are a member, as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Act actually, hold on. <laughs> this is, uh, why don't we go ahead and say... Uh, for 15 more dollars, you can get a book of secrets. It's exactly the same address that he's going to be telling you now. Our address is P.O. Box 539309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 278. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Becca. Tony's not here. Done. Da, 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 da. Insert exit music. Okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silk cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Return <laughs> <laughs> to send up. Return to send up. Thank you for joining us. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.